Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fetch me some concealer, Nakamura. <laughs> Do you have any tinted moisturizer? <laughs> Chicago, Illinois, what is good? <laughs> All right, there's a lot of people here in a packed house. Don't tell the fire department. I am very excited to be here in Chicago once again to do a show, to do the newest Olympian. I've had some wonderful days here. I was able to go to Lollapalooza. I was able to go to LeakyCon. But now it's time for TNO Live, and I'm super duper excited not only to do the show, not only to do it with our incredible guests I'm about to bring to stage, but also because this chapter, <laughs> So let's not waste any further time. Let's get into the beginning of the show. We gotta bring out our guests because I never do this alone. Please make some noise for someone that I've loved doing podcast things with for many years now. It's Sequoia Simone! <laughs> Hello. How's it going? Fabulous. Very, very fabulous. I'd like to tell a quick story. Yes, do um, it. So yesterday I was packing up the LeakyCon booth and you came by and, <laughs> you know, we were talking about what chapter and I hadn't done my reading yet. And you said, we were like, chapter 19. I was like, ah, wait, which one is chapter 19? You were like, well, at the end of the last chapter, they were going up to the top of the Empire State Building. And I was like, for me? <laughs> so I'm really excited to be here. I'm very excited as well. It's been a wonderful time here in Chicago. Have you had a wonderful time in Chicago the past I couple of days? I have. Yeah, I love Chicago, first of all. I've been here several times and was so excited when Leaky said they were going to be here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've got to spend a couple extra days here since I was doing this show, uh -huh. doing, you know, some Chicago stuff, looking right. at some water. Look at a bean. Mm. Looking at a bean. Yeah. It's great. I was very delighted when the stars aligned. I already knew I was going to come here when Leaky was announced. And then they announced that New Jeans was going to be at Lollapalooza. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if they were on Thursday, the one free day would have? And then they announced the schedule, and then New Jeans was on Thursday. And I was like, 
okay. And then I looked at the Thursday schedule and it was like new jeans, Carly Rae Jepsen. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> the Carly Rae Jepsen show legitimately changed my life. I'm not, I am not exaggerating. She had so much fun on stage that I was like, I want to be that fun on stage because she had so much fun. It was so infectious. It was incredible. Everyone go see Carly Rae Jepsen if you can. She's not paying me to say this. <laughs> We were like, hey, Mike, when can we come pick up your merch? I'm so, I mean, we're at dinner. It's going to be super late. It'll be like 1030. And Mike was like, I just saw Carly Rae Jepsen. I'm going to be up forever. <laughs> yeah, just about that. Only other fun Chicago thing before we get into this. I did see on the drive over here that the Illinois lottery has the same hair as me. <laughs> <laughs> you see with the little rainbow swoosh? <laughs> if you don't know what it is, or if you're listening after the fact and you're not from Illinois, Google Illinois Lottery, you'll be like, yep, tracks. <laughs> so let's get into chapter 19, which is called We Trash the Eternal City. Now, where we last left our heroes, as Sequoia alluded to, we had Annabeth and Thalia and Grover with Percy running for the elevators. I wanted Tyson to be there too, but we'll just have to see if Tyson finds his way into chapter 19. <laughs> I always try to guess what happens in these chapters before we get into them. All I could get here was big fight with Kronos on Olympus, question mark? <laughs> well, does he? Hmm. Before we get into the Mike's meat of deductive the skills coming to play. Oh, looks like he hosts a podcast about solving <laughs> mysteries for charity called Meddling Adults, and you should listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Season four coming soon. Now, uh... <laughs> Before we get into the actual meat of it, though, I have to ask you the third time repeat guest question. What would your yes. nectar and ambrosia taste like? So ideal drink and ideal food. Right. So my nectar would taste like... This one was hard for me because I like so many different kinds of soda pop. Um, mango jaritos. Oh. Anybody? Okay. Yeah. And then my food, it's so hard because food is my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> but I think maybe an everything bagel with plain cream cheese. Correct, correct. Only purchased in New York City specifically. Yeah, no, that is the correct choice. Anytime people tell me to get bagels in other places, I go, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. You can keep those. Mm -mm, that's fine. I'll get literally anything else on the menu. <laughs> So, the team exits the elevator on the 600th floor, and narrator Percy notes that the bridge to Olympus is dissolving. It cracks as soon as they step on it. Grover calls for them to jump, and narrator Percy says, well, that's easy for him to say since he's part mountain goat. <laughs> Thalia and Percy jump. Annabeth is not doing very well, and she stumbles forward while yelling Percy, and then he kind of leans out to save her. Grover and Thalia pull them up, and Percy doesn't realize it, but they have been wrapped in each other's arms. <laughs> the only thing that caused him to notice that was when Annabeth tensed up and then said, uh, thanks. <sighs> Narrator Percy lets us know that he wanted to reply, don't mention it, but instead he said, uh, duh. <laughs> A prime, prime Percebeth moment <laughs> for us all. We as love to see it. Smooth as sandpaper. <laughs> we all knew that about Percy Jackson. He's smooth. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> Grover hurries them along, and they make it to the mountain just as the bridge completely collapses. Annabeth says that they're on their own now. Grover and Thalia are worried that if the connection between Olympus and America snaps, the gods won't move to a new civilization. This will be it. So the stakes somehow yeah. have been raised even more. We just keep raising them. They just keep going up. I mean, is then Olympus is going to just sort of float aimlessly around without tethering itself to anything ever again. I just sort of imagine Olympus just like floating throughout the, you know, over the rest of the United States. Oh, and now we're over water. They're all like looking over the side. <laughs> like, oh, what's down there? Oh, we're over Japan now. What a lovely place. And then that gets boring after a while because you've made your way around the earth several times. Yeah. And yeah. I I would like it if elevators all around the world accidentally go up to the 600th floor and they're like, what's happening? <laughs> Narrator Percy says that Olympus looks like someone took a weed whacker to it. He guesses that that would be Kronos' scythe. And I was confused. Maybe this was my not the best reading comprehension skills. Did I miss that Kronos was already up there? I feel like in the last chapter, all they said was that Kronos was heading towards the lobby, but they didn't say, oh, by the way, he got in the elevator. So I was... I think it was implied by him sort of disappearing okay. that he had already made it. Like up where there. else would he have gone? Yeah. He didn't like go to the bathroom or the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely went to the gift shop first, but then he made it up to oh, Olympus. A yeah. Lego Empire State Building. <laughs> it has 1,000 pieces. Yeah, I'm going to crush it in my head. Yeah, exactly. What age are you, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> They head towards the palace, and Percy can see that minor gods and nature spirits tried to stop Kronos, but didn't do so well. Sad. Mm -hmm. Percy can then hear Kronos yelling about wanting to tear Olympus down brick by brick. I guess it would have made more sense if it was marble by marble, but <laughs> a shrine to Artemis then explodes, and Thalia swears vengeance. Thalia then later saves Percy and Annabeth from getting struck by a fallen archway and a Hera statue, but sadly she gets her legs caught underneath the statue. But thankfully Thalia does bring comedy to the situation, <laughs> complaining that she survived loads of battles only to be defeated by, quote, a stupid chunk of rock. <laughs> it's a rough blow for the team, mm -hmm. honestly. You lose Thalia and you're like, uh-oh. Are we going to make it through this? That mm -hmm. is, that's a huge loss for them. Yeah, it's a huge loss for the team. It's a huge win for the thematic elements of Rick Riordan <laughs> to be like, oh, the original three are back together. Sure, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it from the perspective of if Tyson isn't there, if we're not having the full team mm -hmm. of friends, mm -hmm. we have to just have the three main people from the very right. beginning. It's full team of friends or just three. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like a those who begin the thing must end the thing kind mm -hmm. of a situation. Like they it has to come full circle to them because they're the ones who began together. Yeah. That's why Hermione and Ron definitely did a lot during that seventh book battle. Bottom. <laughs> 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 Annabeth says... Annabeth says that it's Hera's curse and that she would have died if not for Thalia. Thalia tells them to go and that she'll be fine. Percy doesn't want to leave her but knows that they must head forward. He promises Thalia that they'll be back and this is where we notes it all makes sense. Original team, et cetera, et cetera. Then Don't worry, Thalia. We're just going to defeat Kronos super fast. Like, no big deal. We will be right back for you. You just chill. You I'm just sure chill. everything will be fine. <laughs> so If you hear screaming, it's not. there's nothing going wrong. It, there's no problems. <laughs> 
<laughs> so then Percy sees an eruption near the palace and tells the crew that they have to run, and Gorver says, I don't suppose you mean away. <laughs> great, great. Singer. Percy and Annabeth do not answer. They just sprint, causing Grover to say, I was afraid of that. <laughs> Grover's comedic chops are really on point in this chapter. I really yeah. like the energy he's bringing. The entrance to the palace is in absolute shambles as they make their way in. Kronos is in the lobby, staring at the ceiling, arms outstretched, laughing. And that's a great vibe. That's a yeah. really good villain vibe. Yeah. Just standing, soaking it all in, laughing. That's pretty powerful. The only thing would, that would be better is if he was sitting in a chair in the middle that slowly turned around. <laughs> With a, yeah, it's Claw from Inspector Gadget. He has the cat. <laughs> Exactly. exactly, his arms in the air. Percy <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> so he's doing this incredible vibe. He is deciding which throne to destroy first, which is also fantastic. Ethan Nakamura is by his side, keeping his distance from these scythe slashes that are going all willy-nilly. Mm -hmm. The hearth is almost out. Hestia is nowhere in sight. Same with Rachel Elizabeth there. Percy is hopeful that Rachel Elizabeth there is alive, but he's not so sure given the utter carnage that's happening around him. Yeah. So he tries just to not think about the possibility of one of his best friends being dead. Bessie, in the water sphere, staying quiet. Smart. <laughs> Percy does think Bessie's that- Bessie's in the water sphere like that meme of Homer Simpson, just backing yes. her <laughs> Mild spoiler for the chapter, narrator Percy is worried that at some point Cronus will see Bessie. And I was devastated upon completion of this chapter that Cronus never does. It would have been really funny if towards the very, very end, he's just like, what the who? <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Is that, is, that, is that a cow serpent in a serpent water sphere? Cow in a water sphere? I've seen some stuff, but what's going on? <laughs> I have that one on my bingo card. <laughs> so the team walks further in. Ethan Nakamura gives Kronos the heads up that there are some people here that might want to kill him. Kronos turns and smiles. Narrator Percy says that he looks the same as he did four years ago, aside from the golden eyes. But wasn't there a whole thing about Luke becoming paler and his hair losing color as he got more and more evil? I feel like he would not look the same as he did in book one. I thought that was a whole thing. Even aside from when he decided to wear boat shoes, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, even Nakamura hasn't gotten to the boat shoes portion. No. Yet. Yeah, that maybe that had more to do with his preparation to become uh, the sacred vessel. Maybe Kronos, when he took over the body, was like, oh, Luke, you look rough. Let's get some <laughs> hair dye up in here to put some color back in that. Kronos in the mirror, like, mm, I don't uh, know about this. Fetch yeah. me some concealer, Nakamura. <laughs> Do you have any tinted moisturizer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kronos asks Percy if he should destroy him first and if Percy's choice will be between fighting and dying or bowing down. Percy says that Luke would fight with the sword, so Kronos must not have his skill. Kronos sneers, and then the scythe turns into Luke's poorly named sword. And then Annabeth <laughs> gasps all of the sudden, like she has an aha moment and repeats the prophecy line, the hero's soul, cursed blade shall reap. And here's what I wrote in my notes to prove yeah. that I am not cheating. I wrote, 
And my guess was that this was actually about Luke's soul and not Percy's, but I don't know if it'll be a sacrifice thing anymore. Like maybe Percy can steal the sword off of Luke and defeat him with it, but this would go against my dreaded Luke sacrifice theory. So I feel like Luke mm. is still gonna do it. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. We will. <laughs> Percy doesn't understand why she's bringing this up because he is dense. <laughs> <laughs> He tries so hard. He's like, what are you muttering about? I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Okay? Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's very true. That's very true. The sword is really big. It's very intimidating. <laughs> I also like that you just like every bad guy, you can just heckle them into doing whatever you want. Like bad guys are so malleable. <laughs> I feel like the true scariest villain, I don't know if this would come up in a Bond movie or Mission Impossible or John Wick or whatever. If there was just a villain that never spoke, never monologued and vamped, they'd be the true scariest villain. Yes. Like a dude who just got the job done, that's mm -hmm. truly terrifying. Yeah. An efficient <laughs> villain, Cronus mm. <laughs> prepares for an attack. Annabeth screams, wait, and Percy instinctively starts defending Cronus's attacks. Ethan Nakamura tries to get behind Percy for a sneak attack, but he is thwarted by Annabeth, and those two begin to tussle. Percy can't focus on them because he has to focus on fighting the Lord of Time, but he does hear Grover playing reed pipes, and it fills him with warmth and courage, meaning he's playing Burning Up by the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. It's the only logical choice. <laughs> The Disney connection is there. They really could get all the Disney stars they in could. the show. They really could. I'm going to be crushed when they don't do it. <laughs> Mike is going to write a very strongly worded email about it. I'm going to take a page out of Rick's book because I know he wrote very strongly worded emails to Chris Columbus. I'm going to write a strong email to him. No, I'm not, Rick. I'm on the podcast. <laughs> Kronos has Percy backed up against the Hephaestus throne, which is like a steampunk lazy boy, and Percy jumps up onto the seat. Very conveniently, it has a secret mechanism inside of it. It's got a bunch of secret mechanisms, but one of them begins to warn defense mode, defense mode. So Percy jumps out of the way as bolts of electricity emerge from it, and one of them strikes Kronos in the face, and he drops the sword. Here and Kronos go. is like, not my beautiful face! <laughs> It is funny. I guess it's just because it is Hephaestus lightning. It mm. just feels like he got hit with a lot of other really tough stuff before that just yeah. one lightning bolt really hit him this hard. But I guess it's just the power of a god. They really are particular about their thrones being protected. I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean, Hephaestus has a lot of interesting powers. And I also think that like, it's important to think about like how far along we are in the process. Like if you're cooking something or baking something and you pull it out like just a little bit too early and like something like deflates or something like that. Like we're right in this sweet spot where like Kronos is almost done cooking. <laughs> and like if we lightning bolt him right now is maybe the worst possible time to do it, you know? Okay, yeah. yeah. I like it, I like it. I was surprised that that took him down, but yeah, maybe that's the reasoning. Maybe a little column A, column B. <laughs> Annabeth kicks Ethan Nakamura aside. She rushes towards the sword and screams, Luke, listen! And uh, with the flick of a hand, Cronus sends her flying across the room and crashing into Athena's throne. Oh. Yeah, a little tough. Ethan Nakamura gets up, and he is now standing in between Percy and Annabeth. Grover's song becomes more urgent, meaning it's now the rap portion of Burning Up by the Jonas <laughs> Brothers. 
Come on, boys, bring the chorus around. <laughs> and grass begins to grow through the palace floor. Kronos gets to one knee and reaches out for his sword, but it does not fly back into his hand, so clearly he is still dealing with the repercussions of this lightning blow. Mm -hmm. He calls for Ethan Nakamura to prove his worth by killing Percy with the knowledge of his weakness, and in return, he will have innumerable rewards. Bad guys are also always doing that. Like, be specific about <laughs> yeah. the reward. Tell me what I'm getting. Tell yeah. me in writing. I want to sign it. Sign it. <laughs> Swear on the river sticks. <laughs> yeah. I want the specifics. What am I yeah. going to be? And that does kind of come to bite Kronos in the butt because Percy basically says, like, what are you going to get? <laughs> like, exactly. What does he mean? Yeah. The world is being destroyed. Exactly. So Ethan's eyes go straight to Percy's midsection. So Percy figures, okay, he definitely knows what's up. And mm -hmm. honestly, if Ethan just relays this information to Kronos, that would be game over. So Percy decides that he will go into talk reason into Ethan Nakamura strategy. Yeah. So he tells- He's rolling persuasion on oh, this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smart, smart, smart. He tells Ethan to look around and really think that if the end of the world is really the reward that he wants. Grover is now almost at Annabeth and the roots coming out of the floor are now about a foot long. Ethan grumbles about there being no throne to Nemesis. Kronos agrees and calls for him to attack the demigods. Percy reminds Ethan that he said Nemesis is the goddess of balance. So Percy levels with him that the minor gods deserve better, but destruction is not balance. He says that Kronos does not build, he only destroys. Good stuff from Percy Jackson. Yeah, he's actually pulling through on this, even though he couldn't figure out what Annabeth was saying at the beginning of this fight. <laughs> The problem with that is that she was distracting him from his main goal, please let me kill Luke. I hate him so much. <laughs> Ethan's just kind of there. Exactly, exactly. Ethan stares at the Hephaestus throne, and he begins to sway to Grover's music. Then he charges, but at Kronos. He slashes at Kronos' neck, but the blade just shatters, I guess because he didn't see that happen to other people earlier like, in the story? You've been around this guy? Come <laughs> on, like, I'm glad you were trying to do the right thing, but like, think about it for four seconds. Right, right. I mean, I think, I, I sort of wonder like how much of this, you know, turn from Ethan is Percy's role for persuasion mm -hmm. and how much of it is Grover absolutely tearing it up on the reed pipes. Uh, I mean, I would imagine at this point with Ethan Nakamura, it's the part where it's just the vocals in Burning Up, which is the high. <laughs> it depends on actually where we are specifically in Burning <laughs> It's a great song with an even better music video. This is a Jonas Brothers podcast. I mean, Nick, come on the pod. <laughs> So the blade shatters, and then Ethan is clutching at his stomach because part of his blade flew back into him and pierced his armor. Just big oof. Not oh. a great way to potentially go out. Kronos finally gets up and scowls treason at Ethan. <laughs> Grover. E2? <laughs> no, Ethan. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Alley oop, slam dunk. <laughs> so he's dealing with this, and 
Kronos yells treason at him. Grover keeps the music going, and grass grows around Ethan's body. He stares at Percy and musters up enough energy to say, deserve better if they just had thrones. And then Kronos stomps his foot on the ground and makes a hole in the floor. It covers Ethan's circumference, and he <laughs> falls through the floor of Olympus, which is a million miles in the air. And then Kronos says, so much for him. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. How can you hate him? By the time this book is over, that guy is still falling. <laughs> It'd be really funny. Book three, Heroes of Olympus, thud. <laughs> <laughs> Then, after saying so much for him, Kronos goes, and now for the rest of you. Oh, it's so good. And then he stomped his foot again, and then Percy fell. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Really a foolproof method. He should have just done that. That's also very, like, Crash Bandicoot villain. <laughs> they just have to keep jumping away. Percy's main objective at this point is to keep Kronos away from Annabeth, who is now being fed ambrosia by Grover. Cronus's feet are getting wrapped in roots with each step, but they aren't long enough to hinder him. They are just enough to annoy him. Grover apparently stopped just a bit too soon. Mm. Narrative Percy then at one point says that they fight Percy and Cronus through the hearth. How big is the hearth? I thought it was like a fire pit. Is it big? <laughs> Did they ever say how large it is? I was surprised that they could fight through it. Physically through it? Yeah. I don't know. And like, what is, I thought the hearth was like all the way on the end. Did they like fight through the hearth and then fall off the other side? I thought it was like in the middle, but mm. I didn't think it was very large. So I guess it's very large. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I guess mm. it, it ha either that or just, in there. it's a really yeah. small fight. <laughs> just, they're on tiptoes. <laughs> Cronus then slashes an arm off of the Ares throne. Narrative Percy says, fine by me. And <laughs> Percy is now backed up against Poseidon's throne. And then Cronus says that, ah, this will make great kindling for my new hearth. And then the two blades meet. Percy is powered up by being near the throne of Poseidon. Yeah, come on, Cronus. How did you not know that was going to happen? <laughs> like, don't get let him get near dad's throne. Yeah. I mean, he's had a history of not being smart about this, where they do have their headquarters be a boat. <laughs> Good not point. only a boat, a boat with a pool <laughs> and the a fountain. fountain. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, quick, turn on the misting fans. <laughs> <laughs> Doofus. <laughs> So Percy has this extra power. He is able to knock Cronus's sword far back enough to give him time to get another jab in, and this time it cuts through the celestial bronze breastplate that Cronus is wearing. But Cronus then stomps again. I like that all his attacks are stomp-based. Mm -hmm. And then time slows down. This is the most terrifying thing about him, yeah. honestly. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's spooky stuff. Percy is moving ridiculously slowly. Kronos is checking on his armor and his damage. Percy's frustrated, but he just hopes that merely by fighting Kronos, he's at least wearing him down. And Kronos tells Percy that it is too late, and then he points at the hearth. 
and an image appears in the hearth, kind of like an iris message, and in the image is Nico and Percy's parents, calls them parents again, which I love. I love when yes. Paul is parent and not my Mr. stepdad Blow- or yeah. Mr. Blowfist. <laughs> Mr. Blowfist. <laughs> so the parents are fighting against a swarm of monsters, Hades is summoning zombie army after zombie army, but the monsters fighting back also seem infinite. And the city is being destroyed and all of the people are running around in panic. But then the scene in the hearth shifts to something that Percy finds even more terrifying. Typhon approaching the Hudson being attacked by the gods. Yes, everything is converging at the same time. This is my favorite thing that happens in these YA books is that they all come together at the same time. Everything is as high as it possibly could be as far as like, what if Typhon got all the way to the Empire State Building? Mm-hmm. It'd be bad news bears. It'd be bad news bears for sure. Not cool. Not what you want. Narrative Percy says, quote, I knew as long as I lived, and then in parentheses, which might not be that long, (laughs) I would never be able to get the image out of my mind. Typhon's head shifted constantly. Every moment he was a different monster, each more horrible than the last. Looking at his face would have driven me insane, so I focused on his body, which wasn't much better. He was humanoid, but his skin reminded me of a meatloaf sandwich that had been in someone's locker all year. He was molted green with blisters the size of buildings and blackened patches from eons of being stuck under a volcano. His hands were human, but with talons like an eagle's, his legs were scaly and reptilian. I cannot wait to see what they do with this in the show. Like, show this to me. What's that? I feel like they will do everything except for the shifting face stuff. There's Mm. a lot of people with shifting faces, and I Mm. feel like that would be terrifying and distracting and then also hard for them to make merchandise off of. So I feel (laughs) like they're going to probably just go with one face. it's better for merchandise because you make a piece of merchandise with every face Uh, and then you have to collect them all. Yeah, or it's like those Transformers where their head can kind of go inside the chest (laughs) and another head shows up and then you can... Oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, Disney, hit us up. We have ideas. (laughs) But yes, I'm very intrigued to see what this looks like because it's just a wild description. Kronos scoffs at the gods giving their final effort, and I take offense to this because trying hard is cool. (laughs) I never understood the whole, like, oh, you tried a lot? That's stupid. (laughs) I I don't get that. Putting an effort is fantastic. Yeah. All about it. So he's scoffing at this. Zeus goes for a power bolt so intense that Percy can feel it on Olympus. And all it does is cause Typhon to stumble back a bit. So not a good sign when what appears to be the most powerful attack of the most powerful god doesn't really do anything. Let's let Hephaestus do the lightning, actually, because that seems to be going really well. Yeah, Ah, he maybe should take over. (laughs) Percy can feel the effects of Cronus' spell draining with some of his attention being on the fight, not all of it on Percy. And Percy's really hoping that Poseidon will come through at exactly this moment. Typhon steps into the Hudson and Percy prays for the moment to come. And then a conch horn sounds. It's the sound of Poseidon. And right after I wrote the sound of Poseidon, I had an idea for the sound of silence, but it's only conch shells making the beat. You gotta do it. (laughs) Oh, you'll be good. (laughs) I need it. (laughs) 
giant waves form around Typhon, and out from one of them pops a chariot pulled by enormous hippocampi. I wonder if Rainbow made the team. Oh, Rainbow has to have I made really the team. I really hope that Rainbow made Rainbow the team. Rainbow put in the work to make the team. Yes. Yeah. Even if it's a situation where everyone's big and then Rainbow's in the front like Rudolph, I'll take it. <laughs> I just want Rainbow on the team. I miss Rainbow. It's been too long. I know. I want the spinoff book of Bessie and Rainbow having a fun water adventure. It'd be good. Everyone's like, oh, that's so cute. (laughs) So the giant hippocampi are pulling this chariot. Poseidon is steering this chariot, and it's not just Poseidon. It's hot Poseidon. He looks healthy and young again. He's back, baby. baby. Yeah. Poseidon then creates a funnel cloud from the Hudson that completely engulfs Typhon. Kronos yells, no, and then a pause, and then yells, no, in all caps. (laughs) And Poseidon calls. It would be better if there was then a third one where it was like, no! (laughs) And that one's bold. (laughs) Poseidon then calls for a legion of Cyclopes to attack. And it's not just a legion of Cyclopes, it's a legion of Cyclopes led by Tyson. So good, so, so, so good. And it's not just Tyson, it is 30 foot tall Tyson. He's really big now. He's really big now. Did he have the fastest puberty? Is he, now that's a growth spurt. Uh, yeah, that's he, a growth spurt. I thought when I grew nine inches in one summer, that was a lot. But or not one summer, one year. That was a lot. But <laughs> I, like, I learned. What I learned. Summer? That was a I, lot. <laughs> I learned over the summer. But that tall in that short of time is he always going to be thirty feet? I'm really excited for when Tyson comes back. I don't know if there's some magical thing that they did to make him temporarily big. Like right. I guess he ate a mushroom and then blah, 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 like. <laughs> Or is he just always 30 feet tall now? Right, yeah. I guess because the thing with Tyson is that he was always just young. Like, and he's, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. some of the mischaracterization of Tyson that can come through with things like the audiobook. Like, they make him sound like he's unintelligent or slow. It's like, no, he's just very right. young. Yeah. And Cyclopes are just big. So maybe this is the point where he just, like, really rapidly had his growth spurt, and now he's 30 foot sure. tall because he's a teenager or right. whatever. And Poseidon's like, I cannot keep buying you new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So he's leading the charge. He is as large as the rest of his brethren, and he is fighting beside Briaris. And that rules. That yes. is so cool. That's, like, a thing that you'll see happen in sports, like the NBA, where you'll have a player playing on the same team as someone that they had posters of on their bedroom. Like, that's such a cool moment. So for him to be side by side to this great Greek legend that he dreamed of and read stories about and all this stuff, it's really cool. It's a really cool moment for Tyson. And who he inspired. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the connection. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. So good. It's so good. The Cyclope's weapon of choice is giant chain with grappling hook at the end, which is very cool. cool. Very, very cool. They use all of these things to lasso up Typhon, and Poseidon then boomerang javelins his spear (laughs) into Typhon's neck, and Icar pours out like a waterfall. Incredible. 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 Just hooks the (laughs) trident, yanks it back off. And he looks great doing it. I know. Oh. 
The gods then have renewed motivation and they start piling on. Ares stabs Typhon in the nose. Artemis shoots it in the eye. Apollo sets its loincloth on fire with fire arrows. Classic Apollo. Classic Apollo. And then Zeus just keeps hitting it with repeated lightning bolts. Poseidon then channels the water to rise and Typhon screams in pain and sloshes around with waves that hit the Jersey Shore. But here's the problem. That's not the Jersey Shore. (laughs) The Jersey Shore- Tell us about New Jersey. I will. I was just at the Jersey Shore for about a week and a half with my parents on vacation. That's why I have this stunning tan. (laughs) But the Jersey Shore is not across from the Hudson River. The Jersey Shore has the Atlantic Ocean. Ocean. And it's like, it's one of those things where like, I guess it is like literally the shore of New Jersey, but it is not the Jersey Shore, capital J, capital S, which they made the documentary series about. It's like, yeah. That's different. It's different. Rick, you're you're right, but you're wrong. Yeah, let me be the New Jersey correspondent. Rick, come on the pod. Yeah, come on the pod. Or, Mike, come on the books. (laughs) (laughs) Poseidon then opens up a giant water slide that will take Typhon to Tartarus, and he is sucked into a big whirlpool and just gets out of there, and he is gone. And then all the gods are like, Dude, where have you been this whole time? (laughs) That was so easy. I am so tired. Also, can we ride the giant water slide? That looks like fun. (laughs) Yeah, if you could point that to like not Tartarus, like another place. (gasps) Yeah. Oh. Well, Disney has Blizzard Beach. What if they rebranded it? I do love the vibe of Blizzard Beach. It's very good because it's a water park that's all like snow themed and stuff. But what if the big... Mm. Big Drop Summit Plummet was instead like, I don't know, Typhon Ty- Tartarus Tumble. And <laughs> woo! <laughs> Be good. Disney. Disney. Come on. <laughs> I like that we're appealing to everybody. <laughs> TV show, books, okay. theme Anyone. parks. Let's Anyone. go. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers, the music <laughs> is here. <laughs> Every angle of Disney. When Typhon is defeated via water slide, Kronos screams, bah, and hacks the image away. (laughs) Percy tells Kronos that the gods are on their way, so he has lost, and Kronos replies, I haven't even started, (laughs) which is a perfect place to break for intermission. (laughs) So, if you are listening to the podcast, you will hear some mid-roll break stuff, the Cash Olympian, but let's all say goodbye to the podcast people for now, and then we can talk about intermission stuff here at the show, but let's all say bye, podcast people. Bye, podcast people. Hello, and welcome to the Cash Olympian post-live show edition. That's right, I'm recording this one on technically October 23rd. It's like 1 a.m. on the Monday, in air quotes, after the Sunday night TNO New York City live show. We did Philly yesterday, which is really Doylestown, obviously, and then New York today. I'm a tired boy, but we've got to do this until we got to get the episode up. So let's get through and talk about updates. This is episode 100 of the News Olympian. That is very cool. Thank you all so much for making this podcast get to a point where that makes sense. 
with the Patreon support and the number of downloads and everything around the show, its following, its community, that has helped us get to the point where we can sustain making 100 episodes. So thank you so much in any way that you've supported, whether that is financially or, you know, just by downloading it, I get ad money. That helps me out. And then telling people about the show really helps. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Getting to episode 100 is really cool. And what better way to hit 100 than this episode, which is so funny and is just over such a significant chapter in the book. The gods really have aligned. I always joke about that on the show. We're just like the perfect guests end up at the perfect chapters. And just for this chapter with this live show with this guest to hit for episode 100, oh, it just worked out so perfectly. I'm so, so happy with it. I hope you are enjoying with it. So here's to hundreds more episodes, but these first 100 have been pretty cool. And let's keep it going. Mentioned this before, but in case you missed it, we do have new merch. We've got the Camp Regular Person shirts up right now at the newsolympian.com slash merch. We've got new merch coming out. We're going to make some beads as we will talk about in this live show. We will have some TNO beads coming out later in the future. Those will release when we finish the book episodes for book five. So stay tuned for that in a couple of weeks. Those are in production. I'm very excited about them. Earlier, I mentioned the live shows. We do have four more live shows to close out 2023. We've got the four Texas shows. So Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, and Houston on December 13th, 15th, 17th, and 19th, respectively. I think I want to do a little competition. I want these Texas cities to be battling. I want to do something where I do some sort of reward for whichever city ends up selling the most tickets. I might also do some sort of special merch if you go to all four shows, if you're an absolute dedicated fan and you come to all of them and you make the drives. I want to get fun and goofy with these Texas shows, but those Texas shows are happening and you can get tickets right now at the newsolympian.com slash live. Not exactly sure what the content will be just yet. Good chance we cover the second Percy Jackson movie, which of course we will also do a patron only stream for later in the year. Lots of good stuff coming up. I'm so excited about everything. This is, oh God. What a good show. I got all the good feel-good energy from the live show I just did, so I'm just feeling great and sentimental and happy, but also so tired, so let's keep going. We have the Patreon. So many folks have supported on Patreon. Thank you to everyone who does support on Patreon and has in the past, and if you do it in the future, thank you in the future, but I want to give a shout-out to the next 50 folks on our backlog. We are almost done with the backlog. We're getting there. We're getting there, but just a wonderful problem to have that so many people join. Problem, of course, in quotes, but let's give a shout-out to our newest mega-god-tier patrons, Alex and Lily Sharam, Cody Knight, and Romy Arvidson. Shout out to our new super god tier patrons, Josie, Tina Wynn, and Maya Smith. Shout out to our newest god tier patrons, Blue Fuzzy Slippers, Ida Lundberg, Megan Slater, Sarah Bateman, Sanjay Chapuri, someone whose name is in Russian that I think translates to Dale Tippett, but I cannot read Russian. I apologize. Allison Sickler, Madison Murray, Sally Paralidney, Plutonic, Casey, Maya, Omaris Garcia, Sam and Cam G, Cat Bell, Elise, Luke Brady, and Lautoro Guzman. And shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons, Chelsea Stanley, Reactions by J. Jill, Darcy R, Kai Shorty, Alexandra, Emily Swoboda, Hi, Hello, It's Lola, Abby Dadana, Ari and Fifi, Jayanne Jocelyn, My Damn Patreon, Julie, Frederica Borgstrom, Hannah Tuck, Anna Turpin, Emily, Mossword Puzzle, Elisa Hawke Harvey, Eliza XX, Julia Wallstrom, Astrid Nermi, Alex Shaw, Mitchell Small, Cecilia Bartemez, Ashley Kirchner, Samantha Long, Amy Allen, Miriam, Julianne G, Lou Mensch, Pinecone Face, wasn't that a joke from earlier in the show? That's great. Delia, all the ladies love Leo in all caps, Lily Jacqueline Parasiuk, and Cody Dixon. Thank you all so much for your support. May Artemis bless you that when you are picking a jacket, you pick the right one. She had the cool hunter's jacket, and it's starting to get a little chillier here in New York, and sometimes it can be hard to determine which one you need. So hopefully she can help you with whichever jacket you need to grab. 
Now, if you're all caught up on the new Olympian and you need a new podcast to listen to, I make a whole bunch of podcasts. I'm an independent podcast boy, and I make a bunch of shows that I think are very good that I think you might enjoy as well. One of those shows I make is with my buddy Adam Amawala, who just did these two shows with me as well as with Stephen and Sequoia. And we host a podcast called Horse. It's a comedic basketball podcast where we talk about everything about the sport except for the wins and losses. So we just talk about the drama and the silly things and the social media stuff and the storylines. We cover the WNBA. We cover the NBA. We just did an episode that is coming out today, probably a little bit later than this TNO episode comes out, but it is our annual NBA drama draft. We recap the WNBA finals at the beginning, and then we pick which teams this season we think will have the most tea to spill. So if you're looking to understand what interesting stories you can keep an eye and an ear out for this year in the NBA, this is the perfect episode to listen to. So you can check that out at horsehoops.com or by searching for horse wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, before we wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of those ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live in New Jersey, don't be surprised if you hear an ad for DeLorenzo's Pizza, but do be surprised. I was just very pleasantly surprised at how many people at the Philly and the New York shows asked me about DeLorenzo's Pizza, which is just the best pizza. They're not paying me to say this, but you you might hear some ads, and if I'm reading them, people are paying me to say that, but once those ads are complete, we will get back to this episode of The New Olympian. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by G-Adventures. Now, if you're a member of Percy's friend group, you usually don't go on trips that are fun. You usually go on trips that are scary and harrowing and sometimes very dangerous. But if you want to switch it up and do some travel that is more fun and has still community elements, but you're just meeting people and having a good time, not necessarily trying to save the world and fight off baddies, you could do a trip with G-Adventures. G-Adventures offers over 600 small group trips around the world. They have different travel styles to fit any kind kind of experience you're looking for, whether that is active or more relaxed, a wellness trip, 18 to 30-somethings marine, and so much more. They are focused on community tourism and changing the world through travel. And you can make your travel wishes come true with their Wish It Win It contest. You could win $4,999 in travel credit to put towards one of their 600-plus worldwide trips just by creating your ultimate travel wishlist. Head to gadventures.com slash wishlist, then log in or create an account to start filling up your wishlist with unforgettable trips like a wildlife safari in Tanzania or trekking in the Inca Trail to the legendary Machu Picchu. The contest runs until October 31st, so visit gadventures.com slash wishlist today. This is only valid for listeners in the U.S. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply, but you can learn all about that at gadventures.com slash wishlist. So if you want to go on a trip that isn't as stressful as what Percy does, check out gadventures.com slash wishlist today. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Thrive Market. Now, at Camp Half-Blood, they are cooking up a whole bunch of fun stuff at the cafeteria. But we never really hear about where they supply all of the things for the cafeteria. I'm not sure where they get their stuff, but you know where they should get their stuff? Thrive Market. Thrive can be your go-to for all of your grocery and household essentials, and it has been my go-to. I've got a bunch of stuff from Thrive now, and I genuinely enjoy all of it. I've got Thrive trash bags, dishwashing detergent, snacks, rice, beans, things that wash my dishes, like scrub brushes and stuff. They have a lot of really great deals. I've been capitalizing on those deals, and I have truly been enjoying using Thrive Market. I love a lot of things about Thrive. I love that they only allow trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And whether you are looking for organic kid snacks, high-protein essentials, whatever it is, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. They've got all these different filters and stuff like that, different categories. I utilize those. 
when I was looking for particular items, and it was really easy to navigate the site. I always have a simple time finding what I'm looking for. And it's not just saving time, I'm saving money as a Thrive Market member. I'm looking at my stats right now, my average savings per order are $34.98. On my last order, I saved almost $50, and I got a whole bunch of things for my pantry. I got hand-soaked refills, I got chicken broth, I got rice, I got beans, I got kitchen towels, it was great. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash TNO for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TNO, thrivemarket.com slash TNO, so you can be as well-stocked as the Camp Half-Blood cafeterias are today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Please welcome back Mike and Sequoia to the stage. Hope everyone had a good intermission. I missed you all so dearly. Let's continue. Chapter 19, because it's so good. <laughs> Where'd we leave off? Oh, yeah, Kronos said, bah. Okay. <laughs> so Kronos says his cool line of, I haven't even started. And then he heads towards Percy, knocking Grover aside, who had rushed over to protect him. And when narrator Percy is describing Grover's decision to do this, he says, Grover, brave, stupid satyr that he was. <laughs> So cute. Yeah, Grover, who earlier was like, maybe what if we don't go do the battle? What if we, yeah. And he's just so brave the whole time anyway. So brave. Percy tries to utilize a little trick move in the sword fight, but Luke knows the move, so he parries it perfectly and sends Riptide sailing across the room. Annabeth screams, stop. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and big surprise, it doesn't. If anything, it backfires because Kronos turns and tries to slash Annabeth with the poorly named sword, but <laughs> Annabeth somehow catches it in the hilt of her dagger. Which she's so good. So good. Percy basically, as the narrator says, she's so, so good, good because that's really hard. Daggers are small. Swords are big. That's not easy. Did you guys know that? Daggers are small. Swords are big. <laughs> Fun fact. Big takeaway. <laughs> she steps in closer and becomes face to face with Kronos. And she says, Luke, I understand now, you have to trust me. And Kronos yells that Luke is dead and his body will burn away when he assumes his true form. Percy tries to move, but he is just utterly exhausted. He cannot fathom how injured Annabeth has the strength to fend off a Titan when he can't even muster up enough energy to take a step forward. She's so good. She's so yeah. good. <laughs> Annabeth says, May saw his fate. Luke responds, service to Kronos, this is my fate. Annabeth tells him that he's wrong. 
service to Kronos is not the end. She saw what he would do, and it applies to him. It probably meaning that line from the prophecy. <laughs> Luke roars that he will crush her. Annabeth says she knows he won't because he's holding Kronos back even right now. And Luke screams, lies, and is able to get Annabeth off balance and hit her in the face. Percy tries to use all of his energy to move, but he feels like he's back in Atlas's position holding up the weight of the world, and he is just completely frozen. Cronus raises his sword above Annabeth, and then she says, family, Luke, you promised. And Percy gathers enough energy to take one step forward. Grover musters up enough energy to get up, but before either of them can approach Annabeth, Cronus staggers, stares at Annabeth's dagger, and says, promise in italics. <gasps> it's different. <laughs> he gasps for air and in Luke's voice says, Annabeth, you're bleeding. Annabeth cannot hold off the sword any longer and it is knocked free from her hand. She mutters, Percy, please. And that gives Percy the energy he needs to move again. He scoops up the knife and he uses it to knock the poorly named sword out of Luke's hand and into the hearth. He pays Percy no mind, but Percy puts himself in between Luke and Annabeth and tells him not to touch her. It's just, it, I, I'm like, it's like I'm reading the book again. I'm like, yes! <laughs> Are they gonna make it? Kronos <laughs> is enraged, and in Kronos' voice now, says, Jackson, and Percy thinks. It's very Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> it's hard. And they even at one point kind of just get to the point where as narrator Percy is like, Luke's voice, Kronos' voice, just to make it easier. <laughs> says Jackson. And Percy thinks that he starts to see his whole body become gold, like it's glowing, which is not good. That is not what we want to see. We have learned, mm -hmm. yeah. Now, back in Luke's voice, he says that Kronos is changing and is almost ready to ditch the mortal form. And in, in the Luke voice, he says, Kronos is almost done cooking. <laughs> <laughs> now, back in Kronos' voice, he bellows, no, and he begins looking around for the sword, and he stumbles towards it. Percy tries to stop him, but Kronos sends him flying into Athena's throne next to Annabeth. And Percy thinks that he cracked his skull. Do we need to put Percy in concussion protocols? Because that sounds yeah. really painful. I know he's invincible and stuff, but he thinks he cracked his head. It's, <laughs> nah, it's tough, man. That is no good. You're like, okay, Percy, how many fingers am I holding right? up? <laughs> Sorry, visual bit, podcast listeners. <laughs> It was Oops. really good. It was good. Sequoia held up fingers and made silly faces. You can just trust us. It was funny. <laughs> Annabeth mutters, the knife, Percy. Hero, cursed blade. And this is where I wrote in my notes. Wait, is the dagger cursed? Did I forget the dagger being cursed? Does it come up later? And is that maybe a spoiler? Mm, indeed. Okay, then we won't. Discuss it. I was confused. I know we had the backstory of the dagger, but I thought it was just, it was Luke's, and then he gave it to Annabeth. Ah, so maybe Annabeth will be like, oh, by the way, I didn't tell you, but this is actually <laughs> a cursed dagger. Luke told me about it one time. Okay, I'll have to see. So yeah, we'll, we'll just, hmm, and not worry about it, but I at least have it in my notes. Since when is the dagger cursed? Kronos grabs the sword, but then he drops it after screaming in pain because it's too hot from the hearth, which roared back to life. And it roared back to life because it didn't like the sword, which is interesting because 
we had a situation of the hearth kind of going dim because things weren't going well, but right. now the hearth was roaring back to life because the bad sword was in it. Should we have put things that we didn't like in the hearth to try to get it burning again? <laughs> I don't know. Kronos was in the hearth earlier. That's true. Why didn't it roar to life? <laughs> <laughs> it just really does. It's like, this is really poorly named. <laughs> what a silly name. <laughs> So he drops it because it's really hot since it's been in the hearth. Percy sees an image of Hestia in the hearth, frowning at Kronos with disapproval. I love, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, Hestia. No. I also imagine a little finger wag in there. Shouldn't have done that. I don't like that. Now we are back in Luke voice for Luke Kronos, who says, please, Percy, as he looks at his bruised hands. Percy wants to kill him, since that is the plan. It has been the plan for quite long some time. time. Long time, long plan. Luke can sense that Percy wants to do this, and Percy gets I don't know, how could Luke possibly <laughs> sense that that's what Percy wants to do? Who knew? He's very perceptive. Oh, wait, did you want to kill me? <laughs> So he tells Percy that Percy is not able to kill him alone because Cronus will take back control and defend himself. Luke says that only his hand can do it because he knows where he can keep Cronus controlled. Mm. Percy is now certain that Cronus is glowing. So earlier it said, as the narrator, he said, and were my eyes deceiving me or was he glowing? Now it's like, yeah, dude, he's glowing. It's bad. We don't like this. He is almost done. Two mm -hmm. minutes left, Bakers. <laughs> I feel like we have to make aprons now. <laughs> Merch is flowing. So many. When, we were, when we were going back into the green room, I said, oh, we should make friendship bracelets that say E2, Ethan. <laughs> so many opportunities coming from this episode. <laughs> so he is certain that Kronos is glowing. I do also <laughs> like that he's glowing. I just imagine with our makeup discussion earlier, like, wow, Kronos is really glowing. Looks great. He looks great. So... Then he, Percy, raises the knife to go for a strike, but then he looks at Grover holding Annabeth in his arms and it clicks for Percy what Annabeth wanted him to do. He recalls Rachel Elizabeth Dare saying, you are not the hero, it will affect what you do. And he realizes, oh, I'm not the hero doesn't mean I'm not important or I'm not gonna save the world. It means I'm not the hero that they are talking about in the prophecy, which is great. I love that Percy has this big realization of like, oh, that thing that made me mad, it was different. So now it's okay. I'm still the hero. I'm just not the hero. <laughs> Luke then moans, please, no time. And Percy hands the knife to Luke. Grover is shocked because it does seem like a wild strategy. Yeah. If you don't have the context of Percy's inner monologue, that would be a wild thing. That would be. You're just fighting someone over and over and over again. And then it's like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a weapon. Here, have mine. Yeah. Grover's like, didn't you know the plan was to kill Luke <laughs> the whole time? The whole time? We had one plan. What are you doing? 
So Percy hands the knife over to Luke. Grover is shocked. Percy hopes that this will work since he is now defenseless. Luke then unlatches his armor and exposes a spot just under his left arm and stabs himself. So that must be Luke's invincibility weak spot. And I think it's funny because I feel like this came up in the podcast. Maybe it was Nathan Cox before he read the rest of the book when we were discussing which spots would be good. I think he might have said my armpit. Like I think, (laughs) I feel like that came up naturally in an yeah. unspoilery way in the show, so I love that his thing actually did end up being yeah, his arm. much better spot. Yeah. yeah. Much better spot. Yeah, at the back, I mean, it's just, it's quite thematic. I believe there was a Reddit commenter on the episode that came out today where someone commented and they said, oh, the person whose fatal flaw is loyalty's invincibility spot is his back. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> yeah. hmm Yep, yep, yep. Rick! <laughs> So Luke doesn't go too deep when he does this stabbing, but he still does howl in pain. And his eyes glow, the room shakes, Percy falls over, and then a bright energy ball surrounds Luke, and Percy closes his eyes as he feels an explosive force blister his skin and crack his lips. And then silence. Percy sees Luke sprawled near the hearth in a circle of ash after Percy's senses come back to him. The scythe liquefies into molten metal and becomes the T-1000 from Terminator 2. (laughs) (laughs) No, unfortunately, it just goes into the hearth, which I guess is that now the hearth is going to be really, really hot because... This happened when it was in non-liquid form? Yeah, I thought the hearth didn't like it, but I don't know. I don't know. I will be curious to see if anything comes of this. Like, I don't know if it would be a later thing of like, oh, someone found the liquid metal in the bottom of the hearth and remade the poorly named sword slash scythe. But I don't know. I don't like that they described what happened to the melted sword because then Mm. that means there could be something that happens in the future. Chekhov's melted sword. Of course. (laughs) A classic. We don't know. There's possibilities. So it goes into the hearth. Luke's eyes are open, so he's not dead. Damn. Uh, His eyes are open, and they are blue again. He struggles, but then he says, good blade. And Percy kneels beside him. Annabeth and Grover walk over in tears. Luke tells Annabeth that she knew, she even knew when he was trying to kill her. And she tells him that he was a hero at the end and will go to Elysium. No, he won't. Yeah, that's going to be a big question mark for me. He won't. And I was finishing this earlier today, and when I was reading this, I unleashed an expletive-laden sentence about how that's not what's going to happen. (laughs) There's no way! You might not know this because in the crowd, the episode hasn't come out yet, but when you find out that Selena is the spy, and then it's like, oh, Selena, oh, everything's okay. Nuh-uh. And that was just the spy. We're talking about the vessel for the Lord of Time to take over the world. And it's like, oh, you didn't, you know, but do I the worst up. <laughs> I fell for it. He's Kronos. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? So, like, I get it, Annabeth. You like him and stuff, but there's no way. There's no way. If there's anything that should keep you out of Elysium, I would think it would be 99% destroy the world by teaming up with Kronos. If not, 
everyone's in Elysium. Everybody's there. Like, if he's going to end up in Elysium, what did these people do to end up in the fields of Asphodel? Because I can't really think of anything's yeah. worth then. I'm going to destroy the whole world. Right. And then at the very last moment, go, actually, just kidding. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's no way. There's, There's no way. A perfect reenactment, if I do say so myself. Yeah, whoever is acting as Luke should hit me up and I can yeah. coach him. Again, email, <laughs> yeah, call, everyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, after Annabeth tells him this blatant lie, Luke does shake his head, which I think is very good. I'm glad that Luke isn't so ridiculous that he would think that he's going to end up That's there. very nice of you, Annabeth, but you saw. <laughs> Did you not? You saw what I did. That was Kronos. <laughs> Luke tells Annabeth that she should try for three times at the Isle of the Blessed. And I am very intrigued by the Isle of the Blessed because you don't know if you've done it before, right? Like in your current life, you wouldn't know that you're on try number two. Like, isn't it? Sure. Like, couldn't technically anyone, like, couldn't she actually maybe be on her third and she was just, you know, pre-Annabeth and pre-pre-Annabeth? Right, but like you would know if you died and then right. you showed up on the Isle of the Blessed. You sure. just like keep going until hypothetically you've done good three times. Is that uh, maybe? I don't um, know. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of movies. I from clearly the know what's going on. But I think that what would happen is yes, when you die, you know. But I think the best case scenario is like you die and then they're like, oh, by the way, you did good this you did time it. and you also did good two other times. Yeah. You just didn't know. Like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, shout out to past me. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, don't tell me how many times in total it took me. I don't want to know. <laughs> Annabeth tells Luke that he pushed himself too hard. No, stop. <laughs> My weakness is that I try too much. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> this is the worst job interview ever. <laughs> Luke holds up a hand and asks Annabeth if she loved him. And she starts to say that there was a time when she thought, but then she looks at Percy. And narrative Percy describes the look that she gives him as looking like she is just so happy that he is there. And that is exactly how Percy feels. The whole world is being destroyed actively around them. <laughs> but all he cares about is her being alive. That's all that matters to him. And he consents, we're feeling the same thing, which is really cool and really sweet. And I love that. Very heartfelt moment. Then Annabeth tells Luke, you were like a brother to me. <laughs> this guy's about to die. and just like absolutely got him. <laughs> and this is exactly everything I needed to hear to wash away any sort of negative feeling that I had to write Annabeth because all of the things that she said, the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, twelfth, twenty-fifth <laughs> chances that she gave Luke, yeah. it was all frustrating. I didn't like it. I didn't like when she said that he was going to, to end up in Elysium, but to yeah. say you were like a brother to me, oh. <laughs> devastating. Especially for Luke being a teenage boy thinking that the friend zone exists. <laughs> Him being like, his dying thing, the last thing he hears before he dies is that he gets friend-zoned, in quotes. 
oh. by the girl that yeah. might be his love interest. Oh. oh my gosh, this is so awkward. It's, <laughs> it's just the perfect send-off yeah. for this character who I have hated yeah. for such a long time. It's the perfect ending. I am so happy about it. It makes me so... So happy. I was reading oh. the chapter and I got to that part and I was like, Mike is going to be in his element right now. <laughs> I did finish that last little line backstage a little <laughs> bit before the show. And Sequoia was there. And I think I said something to the effect of, <laughs> I wasn't going to rat you out, but I was there <laughs> when he's so near at it. <laughs> Laughed real big and then went, yes! <laughs> Fist pump and everything. Oh, you were like a brother to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, his just desserts. Oh, it's so good. So she says, you were like a brother to me, but I didn't love you. <clears throat> now Luke, to his credit, takes it like a champ. He just nods as if he knew it was coming and then winces because that is the most crushing blow possible. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, Grover says that they can get ambrosia. Luke tells Grover that that's pointless. There's no healing for what has happened. And he calls Grover the bravest satyr that he ever knew. I'm wondering, was he the only satyr that he ever <laughs> talked to? Not that Grover isn't brave, but Luke right. does give me a little bit of the vibe of not necessarily conversing sure. with lots of satyrs. You're the bravest satyr I ever knew. And Grover's like, well, I mean, you... I don't know that you're exactly the person that I wanted to hear that from, but thank you. Well, you were just like a friend to me, Luke. <laughs> you were one of the bravest campers I knew. <laughs> oh, really good, really good. Says that to Grover, and then Luke grabs Percy's sleeve, and he says to Percy, Ethan, me, all the unclaimed, don't let it, don't let it happen again. Percy promises that he won't, Luke nods, and then he passes. The gods show up in full armor, bursting in. They are expecting a full-fledged fight to be underway, and they're ready to go, and then they see the very chaotic scene in front of them. And like, are we late? <laughs> Here's the best part of this scene. They don't describe it in the book, but I did remember it. This is all there in the scene. You've got the melted sword, the raging hearth, dead Luke, ash around him, uh, destroyed slash partially destroyed thrones. Big things hole in on the ground. Fire, hole in the ground. Things charred by electricity, swords all over the place, blood, <laughs> everyone's beat up. And then you also have Bessie in the water sphere in the corner. <laughs> Bessie's like, you guys would not believe what just happened. <laughs> I saw the whole thing. It was wild. And this was like... She said he was like a brother to her. hoping <laughs> I was really really hoping that it was gonna come up 
because it did get mentioned earlier. It was mentioned that Bessie was trying to stay quiet. And there is just that classic thing that happens in the books where like, if there's a lot of not funny things happening, something funny has to happen. And I was just, it was just, if Bessie mood or something. This was also the, like, if Luke is dying and then Luke looks over and it's like, huh? <laughs> I don't think he ever had any crossover with, with no, Bessie. No, I don't think so. No. So he wouldn't have known all of that because he wasn't really much around in book three. And then Bessie wasn't around in book one. And then by the time he gets to Olympus again, it's already book five now. So Luke, I don't think has any idea what's going on. I guess they might yeah. kind of know, but uh, it's just yeah. really fun to yeah. me. Oh, missed opportunity there with the moo. <laughs> His dying we can word. all pretend it happened. <laughs> His dying words are just, what's that? <laughs> you really good? Really good? Is that a cow snake? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, they bust in, expecting a fight. Bessie's just chilling. And then Poseidon asks Percy, what is all of this? Percy turns and then says, we need a shroud, a shroud for the son of Hermes. And that is the end of that chapter. And that is the end of this episode so far of The Newest Olympian. A sad moment in an otherwise very giggly (laughs) conclusion. But yeah, I mean, I can see why you were very excited about chapter 19. That's a yeah. pretty deep and intense one. <laughs> I almost fell on the floor. I was like, yes! <laughs> what I'm especially excited about is in the next episodes, I'm doing live shows after this in Milwaukee and Minneapolis with my buddy Michael Hollis, who was on the show previously. And when I posted what chapters we were doing, he messaged me and he said, oh, thank God, I just reread these chapters and I didn't have that much to say about chapter 19, but I have a lot to say about chapter 20 and 21. (laughs) What happens in chapter 20 and 21? (laughs) I'm sorry, Luke dies chapter? No, I don't have much to say. (laughs) I'm gonna have a stern talking to Michael Hollis tomorrow. What is that? It's going to be interesting. I might have to just read chapter 20 and 21 tonight when I get home. But that is the end of this chapter. If you're listening to the podcast, we'll have another break and then we'll get back to the Q&A. But if you're here in person, we'll get right to the Q&A right now. So let's do it. Hey, it's Mike just here because it's a longer episode. So we're going to have a few more ads, not many. And once they are complete, we will get back to this episode of the New Olympian. Same thing. If they're not read by me, they're locally inserted. And as always, if you get a weird ad for a weird company, whether it's something that feels sketchy or anything like that, please send me an email and I will pass it along to get that ad squashed by my advertising team. But once these ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of the New Olympian. If you're a longtime listener, you might know that I've been drinking AG1 for about two years, and when I started drinking AG1 daily, I always felt assured that I was getting my daily vitamins and minerals in for the day. And that's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. My normal routine with AG1 is to drink it with my smoothie. I make a smoothie with fruits and veggies and a scoop of AG1, and it's just nice knowing, all right, I've had this, I've got my vitamins and minerals in for the day, even if the rest of my meals aren't the healthiest. If I need to be on the go more, I can just put it in either a water bottle or a pint glass and just stir it up. It's nice. This episode is sponsored by AG1. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first 
first purchase, go to drinkag1.com slash newest Olympian. That's drinkag1.com slash newest Olympian. Check it out. This episode of The Newest Olympian is brought to you by Straight River Coffee. If you've been listening to The Newest Olympian and you're thinking, my goodness, I would love to pair this podcast with a nice warm cup of joe, but not just any nice warm cup of joe, but specifically TNO branded coffee. Well, you are in luck because TNO coffee exists. That's right. We have partnered with Straight River Coffee, which is a small independent business that is made up of folks who listen to The Newest Olympian, and we have teamed up to make TNO coffee. So there is a specific roast from Straight River for coffee called Anacluz Roast. I came up with the name. I think it's very good. And you can get a one pound bag of coffee from them if you go to the newsolympian.com slash merch. I'm not a coffee drinker, but multiple people have told me that the coffee tastes very good and smells incredible. And here's the description of the coffee from Straight River. Sourced from the finest fair trade beans, our collaborative blend boasts flavor notes of nutty caramel and rich chocolate, ensuring each sip transports you to a realm of excitement and wonder. It's cool. The bags were also made by an environmentally friendly bag company and the art design on the bags, which yes, is a pigeon drinking a cup of coffee. Those were made by another independent artist, Ava Hess, who does some incredible artwork as well. So it's a bunch of small businesses and independent creators teaming up to make this coffee happen. And it's really cool. And it also ships free internationally. So it doesn't matter if you live in the US or not the US. The price listed is the price. No extra shipping fees. It's super cool. And you can get a pound of this wonderful coffee delivered to you or multiple, I think. You can probably get more than one bag. I don't know. But go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch, scroll down, click the link about the coffee, and then boom, you can get some Anacluz roast in your cup today. And then you can perfectly pair TNO coffee with your TNO podcast. So thank you to everyone who sent in questions. There were loads of them. We might not be able to get to all of them, but there are many fun ones to get to. So let's get to them. This first question comes from Grady Hollister, the subject line, Chicagoans against Caroline Bingley. Very good, very good, very good. I am in support of this. So Grady says, hello, hello, welcome back to Chicago. We've been here for the past two, and Mike Schubert live show in August is now one of our favorite pastimes. So yes, this is a group that three Chicago live shows ago formed, just they happened to be sitting next to each other, they didn't know each other, at the Chicago Pottery Show. Then when it came last year, they were like, let's go again. And then now, they are back for time three. It's so fun. Make friends, it's the best. Everyone in this room lives near you and likes the same thing as you. <laughs> So Grady continues, our normal group is too short tonight, though, since the besties we met here back in 2021 are celebrating their first wedding anniversary. That's a good reason to miss the show. I'll allow it. Yes, we were invited, and yes, our friendship is still all thanks to you. Question for the Q&A. If you were officially added as number 13, the newest Olympian, to the Olympic court, meaning that you now get a cabin at Camp Half-Blood, what would be your special thing? Demeter's has gardens. Poseidon's has the saltwater fountain. What makes your demigod's kid's cabin special? Is it actually just a bigger inside basketball court where the kids sleep on the benches? It's pretty good. Or are there shelves and shelves of hair products to achieve the perfect shoes? Swoop. Why not both? Sla uh, yeah. Slash the Indiana lottery swoop. Yeah. Safe travels to Milwaukee and beyond. Love the Marauders, Greddy and Austin in absentia. It's a Lynn Matt. <laughs> so you have a new cabin at Camp Heflod. What's in your cabin? I think it is going to be really tough to beat the inside basketball court thing. I think that's good. That is the thing of like, I think certain rich people things are ridiculous. I like drive by some of the houses that I'll see. And it's like, what do you do? 
with all of that house? Like, what is the point? I don't get it. There's other fancy things I don't get. Like, I don't understand driving a fancy car. Have you ever seen humans drive cars before? Like, I don't, I don't understand. The one like fancy thing that I can totally get, if you can get a house with an indoor basketball court, <laughs> oh my God. But I'm sure that costs too much money. Oh. I would have to become an oil baron. <laughs> <laughs> But I would love that. So I would love if inside the cabin, it is a basketball gym, and it's not just any basketball gym, it is the basketball gym from East High School from High School Musical. <laughs> retired numbers for Troy Bolton. His number was retired before he graduated. Incredible. A true legend. Legend. Hi, you're still on the team, we're retiring the number. Does <laughs> he get a new number after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the number's retired. They retire that one when he actually graduates. <laughs> So I think I would have that. I like the idea of the pull-out bleachers actually having comfy mattresses in them yeah. at all the different rising levels. That's super fun. I like that a lot. That could be my thought. What, uh, what about you? What's, what's making your, your cabin special? What's, what's in the architectural repertoire? I don't know. I feel like my cabin people would be like the storytellers that mm. like tell scary stories around the campfire at Ooh. night. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like my cabin would be full of books and writing implements. Here's a thought. Is yeah? your cabin a treehouse? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, they would just be writing all the time wonderful stories and then, you know, telling stories to all their fellow campers. I love it. Great, you know. I love it a lot. Okay, this next one comes from Hillary. Hello, Mike. I was wondering if your very legal copy has the Manhattan PJO map in it. How does it compare to the real-life Manhattan as the official Manhattan authority? I did not know this was a thing. It is not in my very legal copy. I think it was in my book, but I did give my copy away at the Hartford show. <laughs> it's the Connecticut one. Here's the Connecticut <laughs> book. But I didn't know there was a Manhattan map in the back, so I went to the internet and I did find it. And I will say it's pretty accurate as far as Manhattan goes. It's pretty good. And this is cool if you see it. It's got all the different things that really take place in the battle. It's called a battle map of Manhattan. So it's got all the battle stuff Harlem Mirror, the Reservoir, Central Park, the Door of Orpheus, the Dorpheus Plaza Hotel. The one thing that is starred is Percy's apartment, which I think is very interesting. <laughs> All the bridges are labeled, which I think is very useful. Yes. You then have the stuff over in New Jersey, which does have the Titan base camp. And funnily enough, that we made fun of it tonight. It does say Jersey Shore in the uh, little southeast corner of the mm -hmm. map, or at least the southeast corner of the New Jersey portion of the map. It's not the Jersey Shore, <laughs> as we've established. There are some things, I don't know if this is a spoiler, there's like three ladies in the water? Who are, anyone know what's going on with these people who are in the water? No, okay. I don't know if it's like a spoiler for a future chapter, so maybe I don't know, but there's just like three big people swimming in the water. And I don't know if I missed that chapter or if they are to come, but we'll see. There is also a big sea serpent in the water. And I don't think there was a sea serpent either. So maybe it's just like vibes. I don't know. <laughs> but as far as the map, it is pretty accurate, though I am noticing Broadway is drawn as a straight line. Broadway curves and angles at True. certain points. So it is not just straight. Yeah, they have Fifth Avenue and Broadway as the same street. That's not true. Broadway <laughs> is between 7 and 8th. 
I don't, it's not the same thing as Fifth Avenue. Yeah. So close, Rick, very close. But for the most part, it's pretty accurate. So yeah, that would be my thoughts on the Manhattan map that is potentially in the book, but I don't know because I gave mine away before I got to that part. I'll have to see if it's in my actually legal e-reader copy that I do have on my book because my mom bought it and we share an e-reader account. (laughs) Thanks, Barb. Okay, this one, I am terrified to read the subject line, but I will. It's called Malort for Malord. It's a trap. I had it once, and that was once too many. So, Malort for Malord. Uh, this is from uh, Manny. Mike, longtime listener, first time emailer. Thank you for replying so long ago to my meddling adults tweet where I suggested the episode crossover with the Hey Riddle Riddle crew. Yes, that was a fun episode. My question now, though, is if each of the Percy crew were a character in the Hobbit slash Lord of the Rings, who would be who and why? This is very relevant because as of Friday afternoon, Elijah Wood's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I was very, very fortunate enough to meet Elijah Wood at LeakyCon because we were in the green room. And super nice dude, super chill, super down to earth, very normal, did not act like high and mighty, even though he was infinitely more important (laughs) than me and other people in that room. He was super cool. Kelly is an enormous Lord of the Rings fan. So the we whole saw time, the picture and me and my co-host were like, Mike and Kelly are in the picture and me and my co-host are like, Kelly got to meet Elijah Wood. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the correct response. That's the correct response. But it was super cool. It was fantastic. Leading up to it, I was trying to tamper Kelly's emotions and expectations. I was like, they're probably putting Sean Astin and Elijah Wood in a different green room. Like, they're going to give them a separate room so that people aren't, you know, being annoying to them. Which, I will say, Kelly and I were the most normal. We really, (laughs) I'm really proud of how normal we were. And if you want proof of our normalcy, look at the photo I post on an Instagram because Elijah Wood looks genuinely happy to take the photo. And he did unprompted hug us before we asked for the photo. So we were not being weird, I promise. I pride myself on not being like, mm, can we take a picture? Like, it was good. But there was at one point in LeakyCon where Kelly went back to the green room to get something that I had forgotten. And she texted me and I was on stage doing something. It was just all caps, Elijah Woods in the green room. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. In the mid panel, Mike's like, I'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) The stars align perfectly because there's like a place where you can like get food out of like those big silver things. And no one was sitting at the table where Elijah Wood was before he went up to get food because he's Elijah Wood. So no one wanted to break that ice, but then he was going up to get food. And I was like, Kelly, I got this. Oh, fancy seeing you here. I also am here to get food. I walked up and I was like, is the lunch open? Because they like just put it up. And he was like, I think so. And I was like, well, if we both get food, they can't get mad at both of us. He was like, good call. And then started to get food. And then Kelly was like, let me come up and get food. (laughs) And then perfectly, he lived in Austin for a while. Our parents live in Texas. Kelly grew up in Texas. We had an end to the conversation, grabbed our food, continued the conversation to the table. And then we talked about learning to drive in Texas and Texas driver's ed for like an hour and 15 minutes. And then we established ourselves as, hey, how's it going, friends, when we would get back into the green room. And we just like had weird conversations all weekend about frozen pizza and stuff. That's so magical. Yeah. (laughs) The most magical thing for Kelly, though, is at one point 
the whole time I was like, we're not asking him about Lord of the Rings. We're not talking to him about Lord of the Rings. That's gross and weird and stuff. And then like, he was talking about Lord of the Rings. So then it's like, well, now we can talk about it. <laughs> and he like asked something about the books. So then Kelly is describing like the books to him because he hasn't read them. And he's like, he wants this. He's, it's all like a, you know, a unwanted conversation. And like, I can see like Kelly's face realize at one moment where she's like, I'm describing the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> she did great. It was, I was so proud of her. It was fantastic. Super nice to you. It was a good time. Anyway, so which Lord of the Rings character? In my defense, multiple people sent an email saying, oh my God, you met Elijah Wood, please talk about it. So now. PJO characters are in Hobbit Lord of the Rings. I feel like Grover's gotta be Sam. Grover's gotta be Sam. Like, yeah, support character, best friend, like, yeah. easily, no question. I guess Percy main character makes sense as Frodo main character, but they don't feel really similar outside of just like, this is my burden to bear, like the sure. prophecy, I have to be the one. Like, I don't know that there's a lot of similarities in like their personality. It's just more of kind of like, their circumstances that they find themselves in. Right. Yeah. But, like, is he any other hobbit, you know? Now, yes, important question. Merry and Pippin, are they the Stoll brothers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I don't know. I guess we can get into, like, the other people in the Fellowship, but, like, Annabeth, who would Annabeth be? I don't know that there's any, like, a big, like, planning type in Annabeth is Gandalf. Gandalf, I was going to say. I, I, get, I mean, like, he's the most planning and, like, the most knowledgeable of them. So, like, I sure. get it. Gandalf the Grey, she's got the gray eyes. There's something there. Wise. Mm-hmm. Is Thalia just Legolas by default because of bow and arrows? Or do they even have any sort of like personality type thing? I don't know. She gives me more Aragorn Ooh, than Legolas. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like all the hmms. <laughs> so we're all taking this very seriously. <laughs> I think that could work. I mean, Thalia eventually does become things. Okay, good. Thank you, Kelly. Kelly is texting in. Oh, okay. uh, if the trio is the four hobbits, Mary equals Percy, Pippin equals Grover, Annabeth equals Frodo, and Tyson equals Sam. Oh. <gasps> Ooh. The authority okay. has spoken. She also corrects that Gandalf is Chiron, which does feel oh. like the correct we choice. We needed the help. Thank, Thank you, you Kelly. so Thank much. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. There's, there's some good ones there. And then Typhon can be the Balrog. Yeah. <laughs> Big, flamey, scary guy. This next one is from Kelsey Gillespie. The subject line is the Sears Tower with three exclamation points. I love it. I never stop calling it the Sears Tower. We're all still calling it that. We're all still calling Twitter, Twitter. Like, come on. So, Kelsey says, hello, Mike. Do you think Harry Potter would be better at Capture the Flag or Percy would be better at Quidditch? <laughs> Here's my question. Okay. Do we get magical items? Such as, like, the flying shoes, like those Well, it ones, or? I mean, uh, I guess we already have the invisibility with Annabelle's cap. But if Harry can take the invisibility cloak, that's a pretty good stealth option. Mm-hmm. You said Annabelle's cap, so now I'm thinking of Annabelle from the horror movie with a hat on. I'm a scary doll, but now I am a hat. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I feel like maybe maybe 
like Harry can use some magic and capture the, or I don't know that it really matters. Like, let's just look at the skill sets. Okay. I do not think the Harry would be particularly sets. good. I don't think Harry would be particularly good at capture the flag. It involves more strategy, and Harry is more of like, what's the first thing I thought of kind of guy. Right, 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 right. I think it would kind of be his downfall Just, there. They're unless, so similar, yeah. Unless he could have some planning, but I'm not really sure. Mm. Percy is Quidditch, though. We do know that Percy really likes basketball, so we would assume he at least mm -hmm. plays some sports. Yeah. But we haven't necessarily seen him be good at the things that would translate to Quidditch, except he is the main character, and that does seem to be the most important trait in being a good seeker. <laughs> how important is your character? That's how good at Quidditch you are. Right, 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 right. That's a great, that's a great thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's clearly not afraid to fly around. He flies around on the Pegasi. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, you're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to say think, Percy. Yeah, Percy's going to be better, better at Quidditch. Yeah, yeah. Cool, great. All right, we'll get to our next question. This is a subject line, Joe Bros are burning up. Uh, this is from Anissa, am I saying it right? Cool, Anissa says, hi Shubes, happy to see you in Chicago. Two questions, one, how do you feel about Chicago pigeons, specifically the ones on the L tracks? I did post this on my Instagram story. Those pigeons are fearless. <laughs> Fearless, and I posted that thinking they were brave, and then Sherry Guo, who went to U Chicago, she replied, I forget the station, but she was like, you should see the pigeons at this station. <laughs> so I would say very brave, very brave pigeons in Chicago. Number two, how do you think Chicago public transit compares to New York? Not as good. Not but as good. Still good, just not as good, but yeah. you, literally cannot top New York public transit. It's just not gonna happen. Yeah. Thanks for being awesome, Anissa, daughter of Athena. P.S. I was the one who made the friendship bracelets I gave them to Kelly. Thank you, that's very sweet. I also did forget that Kelsey had a P.S. in her email, so let me pull that up real quick because it is very important. Kelsey has a P.S. that says, P.S. I brought my mom to the show. Can you please help me convince her I should get another puppy? <laughs> Not to put you on blast, Kelsey's mom, but <laughs> you should let Kelsey get another puppy. <laughs> Think of how sweet. You could name the puppy after your favorite Percy Jackson character. Luke. <laughs> or like you could have a cute little puppy and name it Cerberus. Oh. <laughs> I think Kelsey should have another puppy. Genuinely, I know Kelsey has lots of pets and is very good with all of them. I think, uh, look, skill set is there. You should get another puppy. Uh, and if the puppy does anything wrong, I'm not responsible. <laughs> you didn't hear it from me. Okay, so this next one is from Megan. Megan, who spells her name with an H, which would make my sister Megan very happy, so you're doing a great job, Megan. If each of the other main characters, Percy, Annabeth, Grover, Tyson, Thalia, and Nico, were to be a Taylor Swift album slash era, which era would they be? Kelly, get ready to text in your answer. Yeah. Speaking of, Kelly did send me a couple texts. Uh, or is Frodo equals Percy, Sam equals Annabeth, Mary equals Grover, Pippin equals Tyson, Gandalf is still Chiron. <laughs> Stay tuned for our upcoming bonus episode where Kelly debates this for seven hours. <laughs> it has an existential crisis. <laughs> Okay, so everyone, Taylor Swift album. Just to make sure I don't forget any eras, I'm gonna just Google like every T-Swift era and get the full Can you list. angle this laptop towards? <laughs> um, oh, great. <laughs> All of Taylor Swift's album eras and their distinctive styles. Oh. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, these are okay. great. Okay, okay, cool. So let's see, who do we got first and foremost? Percy Jackson. The options would be Taylor Swift, 2006, which is like crimpled hair and teardrops on my guitar. <laughs> Fearless 2008, slightly less crimpled, but, you know. <laughs> Speak Now 2010, iconic purple dress and glitter and stuff. Mm. Got a banjo mm. still, though. Yeah. Red 2012, big hat heart glasses. Hmm. Mm. Then 1989, which is, uh, let's see. Uh, Kelly already says, Percy is fearless or 1989. <laughs> 1989, more of the 80s pop reputation, which is Nico, obviously. Yeah. Lover 2019, which is the opposite of Nico, obviously. <laughs> Folklore 2020, Thalia, yeah? I mm. feel like Woodsy, I, I don't know. Folklore's like, good, maybe... Oh, no, I don't know if enough about Taylor Swift. Somebody's going to be like, what are you talking about? I was going to say or Evermore. Evermore, Evermore. Yeah. that's the more woodsy one. Uh-huh. And then, then we get into Taylor's versions of all the re-releases and stuff like that. Um, so, Midnight's okay. did somebody say me. Let's see. So we got, we have already done, we've done Nico. We think we've got Thalia. Tyson, Tyson. He just loves fun. And I feel like Lover, Lover is probably Tyson. Just... Okay, good, good reaction. <laughs> I just, fun, upbeat, carefree, feels like Tyson. Grover? Hmm, mm. he does, he does have a love for- Maybe he's folklore, yeah. Oh, oh, nature and all that. Either yeah. that, that could be for more of Grover's personality, but his style, he does love like Jesse McCartney and <gasps> Hilary Duff, so oh. he could be more in on the very early, like, like Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift or Fearless. <laughs> One of those two could work point. out really That's well also. Uh, Annabeth, though, which one has like the most, the most thoughtful lyrics? Maybe that could be one of Evermore or Folklore, just because it's just like really deep stuff. It's hard. This is so this is hard. hard. <laughs> Stay tuned for the bonus episode the month after Kelly's Lord of the Rings run, where she worries about this for seven hours, and that's an exponential. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, Kelly suggested Midnight's for Annabeth. Yeah. Well, that's why I was like, we think we're missing one. Yeah, Midnight's. Midnight's, yeah. Mm, that could be really good. Yeah. Midnight's. Yeah, that's good. No, I think that's good. Okay, good question. A lot of good ones. A lot of good opportunities. Very good question. Learning a lot about Taylor Swift on this Percy Jackson <laughs> podcast. So this one is from Carly. Hi, Mike. Favorite 1990s Bulls player that is your favorite and why? Steve Kerr. <laughs> Steve Kerr is great. He had fun hair. And I remember I had a basketball video game for my PlayStation 1 NBA Shootout 1998. And my dad, at one point in time, when you're playing, you can sub out who the starting point guard is. And Ron Harper is the starting point guard by default. My dad was like, oh, you should sub in Steve Kerr. And I was like, why? He was like, he shoots three-pointers, and I like him. And I was like, good enough for me. <laughs> and then I always subbed in Steve Kerr to the starting lineup. So I've always liked Steve Kerr. He's fun. He was a good analyst. Then obviously he has a lot of coaching success with the Warriors, which is really fun. I lived in Oakland during that first title run. So I have a bit of an affinity to that team and all. Everyone here is a big basketball fan, obviously. So you know what I'm talking about. But no, Steve Kerr would probably be my favorite choice. Who's your favorite 1990s Bulls player? <laughs> She's like, what? Basketballs are orange. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Correct, yes. Your favorite player, the ball. <laughs> All right, this one is from Emma. Emma says, hi, Mike and Sequoia. I am a gifted teacher who teaches reading and math groups for kindergarten through fifth graders. The past year, I had the pleasure of reading The Lightning Thief with my third grade reading group, which of course they loved. Incredible. 
There's no one who reacted more personally affronted to Luke's betrayal than them. Yes. Good, 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 good. They're going to love book five, chapter 19. <laughs> At the end of our unit, they all created an end of third grade bead, a la the Camp Half-Blood beads, to encompass what they learned and did in third grade on a white wooden bead with Sharpies. There were a variety of symbols, such as soccer balls, baseballs, multiplication signs, among us characters, and flowers. <laughs> the range of the class is good. My question is this, if you were to sum up either your third grade year or elementary experience as a whole, what symbols would have ended up on your beads, or what would you use to encompass the year of 2022? Miss H, professional nerdy teacher. So, oh, real deep. This is so deep. It's so deep. Third grade, I'm trying to remember. I had a really nice teacher in third grade. We read all the Magic Treehouse books and I really liked it. Um, so maybe a third grade thing could be like a picture, a little like tree with the treehouse. I remember that being a very formative thing for me. And then I said, YA books, no. Uh, <laughs> but that could be a thing. I also think around third grade was when I started to really get into playing baseball and I started playing travel baseball mm. and that was a pretty formative thing in my life. So I think a baseball could be in there too as far as like extracurriculars. Any, any third yeah. grade thoughts or elementary in general thoughts for you? Yeah. One time in third grade, I fell on the playground and got a rock stuck in my knee. So maybe it would just be like a rock. Okay. <laughs> Very deep. <laughs> I think if I had to pick one for the end of all of elementary, I'd probably get like an outline of the state of New Jersey because I moved from New Jersey to Texas right after I finished eighth grade. Mm. So it was a very formative. And I went through the whole same school, like K through eight. So it was very much like I had only known one school and had one group of friends and all. So like it was tough, but we had a really good time after graduation. You know, we like all kept hanging out because we knew like our time was limited. So I think like a New Jersey bead could have been a really nice sentimental thing for me to take with me to Texas. As far as the year of 2022, I would probably get a globe because that was when Kelly and I were fortunate enough to do a lot of traveling just because the world got a little bit of its stuff more together. Um, and we went on like a lot of different trips, whether that was just for vacation or one of my buddy's wedding and stuff like that. So I think that would be what I did for 2022. Do you have a 2022 bead that you would do? So many 2022 beads. 2022 was when I got my job that I have now yeah. and um, when I moved to New York. So I could do, I could have a beat that has an apple on it. Okay. Big apple. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Or I would do one with a, with a microphone on it because my new job is in podcasting. So yeah. yeah. Very good. That's fun. I like this. And also this was unplanned, but we are currently in the process of trying to make some TNO beads to later sell as merch where we do like five jokes from the show and then have them as merch items. So I'm starting to figure that out. So get to stay tuned for some TNO beads, which will be very fun. Okay, so this next question is from Brenda. Brenda says, hello, hello, hello. Not sure if this has been asked before. Maybe it has. But if you were a Mytho Magic card, what would be some of your stats and numbers for them? As well as maybe your final boss superpower move, and who would be your enemy? Mytho Magic so cards. I just, it's hard because I don't know like exactly what shows up on a card because it kind of felt like it was just jokes about like power levels and stuff. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm not really sure exactly what would be on my card. Yeah. I, I, I have trouble not thinking in D&D stats. I think that's, I mean, it yeah. is certainly heavily. It's, somewhere in the, it's like half D&D, half Yu-Gi-Oh. So like you're right. pretty, you're pretty good Like there. my constitution is so low. <laughs> Um, I like low strength, low constitution, but like high charisma, high yeah. persuasion. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'd be a similar thing. I feel like my, I would have to be something about like quick witted comeback, stuff like that. Like there is a thing and I've been doing this in 20 to midnight, the D and D stream that I'm doing with some podcast folks. There's a cantrip or an attack called vicious mockery. Yeah. You just like That's insult, my bread and butter. <laughs> insult someone and it hurts them in yeah. the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's really yeah, good. Yeah. In the game, you're like, you were like a brother to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Really good. And then there's hideous laughter where like you tell a joke so good that it makes someone just like laugh and then That's they fall one. prone and they can't yeah. fight. So I feel like it would be like that where I would have like comedic yeah. talking based things, yeah. stuff like that. As far as my final boss superpower move, I don't know. Maybe it would just be talking for a really long time and not saying like or um. <laughs> oh, no, actually, probably be like talking for a lot very quickly without taking a breath. And then people are just like, whoa, how did he do that? Yeah, no, maybe it could be like you talk so much that like, but in order to continue talking, you're stealing the breath out of somebody else's whoa, lungs. Whoa. Yeah, that's good. Is that the coolest thing I've ever that's said? Yes. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Who would be your enemy, though? Who would be your big nemesis to fight against? That's a great question. Mine might be Morpheus because I stay up too late. And also, when I have dreams, I never remember them. <laughs> so he'd be like, oh, no, my two things. He would hate me. Mine's Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, correct. That's good. Good, good, good. Very good, very good. <laughs> so this one is from Georgianne. Hi, Mike. What song would Grover play at the end of this chapter? Uh, it would be Just a Friend by Bismarck. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to answer the question after that. <laughs> and what song would he play when he reunites with Juniper? I don't know, because I guess I know who the spy is now, and it's not her. So I guess something happy and sentimental. I have to like her now. <laughs> I don't know, some song about being, oh, it would be, no, Hey There Delilah is about her moving away, right? Yeah. yeah. They didn't do a sequel to that one where it's. I'm trying, now I'm trying to just think of a Taylor Swift song ah. that would work. You could do like, uh, and it feels like Up Grover's Alley, like the I Would Walk 500 Miles by the Proclaimers. <laughs> the Proclaimers, yeah. Yeah, because he was on such a journey, but then he, he comes was. back. I feel like that, that feels like something he would bust out the reed pipes for. That's good. That's yeah. good. Mm -hmm. Cool. All righty. Well, that is the final question. That is the end of this show. Give it up to Sequoia for being an incredible guest. Thank you. That was fun listen to but make it scary it is such a good podcast genuinely it's fantastic I'm not just saying that because I'm on it a couple of times but thank you to Sequoia thanks to all of you for coming out give yourselves a round of applause for making it out to the show <laughs> Chicago has always been very good to me which is why I keep coming back every August so thank you so much for coming through really appreciate it 
give it up to Kelly for running the merch table and for doing the intro thing at the show. And give it up for the full team here at Beat Kitchen. Just a smooth operation from sound to hospitality to us going out and around and out the back entrance and all the sorts of things. Everyone here has done such a fantastic job, so please give it up to them for making this such a great show. And last but not least, shout out to my buddy Patrick who gave me a place to crash and also gave me this belt to wear because I forgot to pack a belt. <laughs> so big ups to Patrick for helping. Look, it takes a village. <laughs> and sometimes someone brings you a belt when you forgot to pack a belt like an idiot. <laughs> but yes, thank you all so much. I really do appreciate it. This has been so delightful, so fantastic. Wish I could do this show forever, but alas, we, uh, you know, have, we'll, we'll eventually get kicked out of this very nice venue where they're having me. But thanks to everyone. Thank you for coming out. You can still get some merch on your way out. I'm gonna just kind of clean up my mess of pretend dollar bills on the stage and then get out of here. But obviously I'm gonna come back to Chicago for a show in the future. So until we cross paths again, maybe in August of next year. Thank you so much for listening to episode 100 of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamandas and Brandon Grugel, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you want to be a part of the show's community, you can find us on social media. We're at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There's also a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash the newest Olympian. And then there's also the Discord that you get access to by joining any tier of the Patreon over at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. If you want to get some TNO merch, you can go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch. And if you want to support the show and as a thank you get access to a whole bunch of bonus content, you can do that at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. Speaking of that Patreon, let's give a shout out to our producer level patrons, Kelsey Gillespie, The Dance Team Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hauskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, The Twins, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Josh Sayre, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Caden Max, Sam Sam Reby, Riley Kiddas, Mary Kelly, Audra, Mrs. O'Leary, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Harlan Christ, CC Reads 23, Sandkoff, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Sarah Neal, Ricky, John Drillsma, Rayla Matthews, Riley Draken, Luna Cadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, Aiden Parziani, Biggest Tyson fan, Hunter Landstrom, Captain Jack Rackham, Sky Captain and the Princess, King Bastion, One Damn Distraction coming up, Ethan Robinson, Ginger Spurs Boy, Joshua Aid, A Cup of Solace, Meg Roy, Lux, Neil, Will Buchanan, and Olivia Kranicki. If you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, simply talking about the show is so helpful. Word of mouth is huge. So you can tell someone that you know who loves Percy Jackson about the podcast or you can talk to someone who's looking for an excuse to finally get into the Percy Jackson books about it or someone who's maybe getting hyped for the TV show that's coming up and they want to understand what's going on or you could post about the show on social media or you could leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using. All these things really do help. I'm very appreciative to everyone who has already done so and to anyone who will do so in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode and I hope you tune into our next episode where we will be joined by Michael Hollis live in Milwaukee to discuss chapter 20 of The Last Olympian. But until then... I'll pursue you later. Hey, everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Make. So I've got the water bottle here that I use in my life all the time, but when I'm recording episodes, I drink out of it, and at live shows, I always have it. So I'm just going to, like, shake the water around, and it'll make some, like, sloshing noises, I guess. It's a hydro flask. They're not paying me to say this. I did email them asking if they want to sponsor me. But we'll just uh, have some water noises to close out the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Step into the world of power, 
loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.